If you're tired of arguing with strangers on the internet, try talking with one of them in real life. Welcome to Back in America, the podcast. This is part one of two episodes dedicated to the George Floyd mural. If you want to see a picture of the mural, go to the podcast website at backinamericathepodcast.com. I am Stan Bertolo, and this is Back in America. The death of George Floyd, a black man killed by a Minneapolis police officer, has triggered protests against police brutality, police racism, and lack of police accountability. Three days after Floyd's death, a group of artists painted a mural on the Cup Food building at the corner where George Floyd was killed on May 25th. The artists started at about 7 a.m. on May 28 and finished the mural at 5.30 p.m. the same day. Most of us have seen the image of the mural since almost every American TV station live-streamed the George Floyd funeral whose backdrop was a digital version of this mural. Inspired by this work, artists across the globe started producing similar tribute to George Floyd, and a digital database of such art has gathered a repository of 1,324 pieces of art so far. My guest today is one of the leading artists behind this iconic mural of George Floyd a man who immigrated to the United States from Belize when he was 19. Today, at 45, he works as an elementary school behavioral specialist and social justice art is his passion. Welcome to Back in America, Cadex Herrera. Thank you very much, Stan. Thank you for having me. Cadex, this mural uh, that... You produced with two other artists, Xena Goldman and uh, Greta McLean, is your first mural. Tell me what went through your head when you got a call from Xena Goldman asking you to work on the mural. Uh, when did she call you? How much time did you have to prepare this work? Xena Goldman had called me on Wednesday night. I had returned from uh, joining the demonstrations on Wednesday evening. On Tuesday night, when um, the news started coming out and we all saw the, the length of the video that went viral, um, I went to downtown Minneapolis. On, that was Tuesday night to take some photography. I'm a photographer as well. And when I, when I saw the movement, when I saw the people there, um, I put my camera down and decided to be a participant rather than an observer. Um, I decided not to take any photographs and just joined the, the demonstrators that were there. And I just wanted to be a part of that. On Wednesday, um, I went back out again. And when I came back, I saw that I had a message from Zena. And she just posed one question to me, uh, which was, do you want to paint the mural? I just said, yes. I knew exactly where she was coming from. Then she, she, she said, you know, um, I have a, a portrait here that I'm going to use, and I, will, and I would like to see if you'd be interested in, in painting this mural with me. And she asked me to design something uh, for it, and I said, of course. I, I, I got 
on it right away. I made a really quick sketch, took me three minutes and I sent it to her and she looked at it and she um, saw it and she really, she understood the idea right away and what I was trying to convey. And she's like, yes, this is, this is it. This is perfect. This will work. And then I said, um, wait a few more minutes. Let me send you um, something more uh, detailed, a little bit more elaborate. Uh, about half an hour later, I uh, texted her back with an, another picture of the sketch uh, of the actual realized uh, idea that's now on the mural. And she um, she said, yeah, that's perfect. Let's do it. Let's meet tomorrow morning, uh, which uh, was a Thursday at 7 o'clock. And I said, I'm there. And um, and uh, once we got there, you know, uh, that's when I first met Greta. I, I did know her work uh, as a muralist in the in the Twin Cities. Uh, amazing work, just a, a fantastic artist. We decided, okay, you know, uh, this is the place where it happened. Um, and Zena earlier asked uh, different folks in the community if um, you know where would it be appropriate to put a mural up on, and you know. Um, Everyone she asked said it should go in the building. It should go in the building. And so we looked at it, and um, it was a billboard of uh, advertisement for uh, uh, for produce and, and farm goods. I, I remember right. It was um, it was this very uh, uh, folk drawing of uh, painting of, of a barn and uh, a field. A very elementarily done, and I believe a, a box of milk or something like that. So we looked at each other and said, "All right, let's get to work." You know, we we uh, we Greta brought out the primer, and we painted it. We painted over it right away, and then uh, we started uh, realizing the the sketch on the wall. So two questions: uh, Was it commissioned? Um, how did that happen? How did you know? Did you? get an agreement from uh, the store to pen on it? Was it commissioned by the city? Uh, no, no, it was not commissioned. Um, this was a, it was a call to action. It was an immediate and spontaneous effort by uh, Zina and I and Greta, and then also the other folks who came and joined us uh, through the process. Typically, uh, you know, if you're going to paint a mural, you would go out to the community and get consensus and work with the community, apply for a grant, uh, try to find a wall for permission, um, and then wait for that permission to be granted. And it's not guaranteed uh, if you're going to get it or not. So this is not what we were doing. This wasn't uh, a grant-based mural. And no, we did not ask permission from the owner of the building. We saw the wall, and we never even thought about or considered the owners, uh, whoever owned the building's feelings. You know, um, that wasn't part of our, of, at least of my, of my process uh, through this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so you you spoke about it briefly, but how does the creative process works when you are in a group of artists who decide I'm going to do the portrait, I'm going to do the background, uh, you know, what happened? How does that work? The, the original sketch that I created, the one that we worked off of uh, for, the, for the mural, was, was fully realized. So the, the letter forms they were the way they were. Um, the only thing that was not in the sketch that I brought, I believe, was a realized portrait because Zena was taking care of that part. Um, when I showed them the, the sketch, I, you know, we talked about uh, the color choices. 
And initially, it was going to be a black background rather than the blue background. I started explaining to the three artists that um, we needed to be very conscious of about the color use because um, it's also as symbolic as all of the different elements in the piece. You know, I explained why it was important to use a brighter color, like, for example, the the sky blue that we use and the yellows and and the blacks. And uh, I didn't have uh, as much input on the way the portrait was treated. Zena has a very specific and peculiar and beautiful style um, of the way she applied paints. Uh, So, you know, we pull our full trust in her process. The, The consensus came from sort of the explanation of what those colors meant and and why they should be the the way they 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 came out being. Hmm. And if people are not familiar with the painting, could you take a minute to describe what it looks like? Um, sure. This whole piece was painted uh, freehand, and uh, we didn't consider the dimensions. All I knew for the design is that it was rectangular. The whole piece is uh, is laid on top of a. Um, of a sky blue background that spreads from a light blue center to a dark blue uh, outer. And then on top of that is a sunflower with a very large black seed pod. That's where we have the names of other uh, black Americans who have been killed by police. Um, At the top of of that flower is the word uh, say our names. uh, in in reference to the Black Lives Matter movement and also to honor and remember those who have been uh, killed by police. And inside where the seeds are supposed to be, our names are their actual names. On top of that is George Floyd, treated in a very uh, bold uh, manner. It uh, has a outline of purples and that sort of blends into that sky blue and uh, the inside of it is uh, yellow. Part of that yellow, uh, some folks have asked me why we use that yellow. Um, So the Black Lives Matter movement has a a color scheme in a lot of their material that is sent out and it's sort of a little bit of, I think, their uh, signature color uh, color, and it's yellow and black. And so that yellow was important uh, to add there as, as a symbolic gesture to the cause. Um, inside the name are sort of abstract, uh, very simply drawn uh, human forms uh, raising their fist, and, and that represents the community. And sort of the, the tones of the sky is coming through through them as they're raising their fist inside uh, the letter forms. At the foreground is the portrait of George Floyd. And then in front of that is uh, the word, I can breathe now. Right before we completed the mural, Zena went out in the community and the folks that were watching us through the process and through the day and who also helped, you know, what would be the most appropriate thing to put there. We didn't want to put words in George Floyd's mouth uh, either. And um, so the consensus was from the, uh, the, the, the people that were gathered there that I can breathe now was the most appropriate thing to put there. And so we asked a young man who was there if he would uh, do us the honor of actually writing it. So none of the artists who were part of it actually wrote that last um, right. statement. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I would like you to help me understand and visualize, you know, if you close your eyes and and revisit that time on the day you did the painting, how was it? I mean, it must have been quite hectic, right? It was all over the news, uh, that video that went viral, and you were there painting what has become a symbol of the movement. How was it? during the day? You know, were you looking at each other? Were you speaking with each other? Were people talking to you? Um, yes, all those things. Uh, personally, it was uh, an incredibly surreal uh, experience that had all of the emotions uh, built into them and, and, and all the unexpected uh, things. Um, uh, we started at 7 o'clock in the morning, again, just um, uh, an adrenaline Uh, alone you know we wanted to get this done and one thing that we knew was that we had to get it completed that day it needed to be finished that day when we first got there there was already uh people gathering around um but the memorial was was starting to form there was a lot of nerves uh anxiety about you know how it was going to turn out um an incredibly hot day as the an hour into it you know people that were walking by Uh, came and asked us, uh, what are you doing? You know, what's what's going on here? And uh, we, we explained to folks, it's like, oh, we're creating a, a memorial for George Floyd here, uh, a mural. This is, and we, I would show them the, the sketch and they, right away, they would get it, you know, and their eyes would sort of light up and they would go, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, this, thank you. And um, uh, we start proceeding through the day at 10 o'clock. There's a lot more people coming together. Uh, there was a film crew on the street corner that was watching us work. And I only was aware of them when they came towards us and asked us uh, to do an interview. And, and then people started gathering and asking questions. And they would ask questions. And we would stop and say, yeah, this is what we're doing. This is what it means. And um, I remember there was um, this just beautiful grandmother who came at about eight o'clock that morning and she was one of the first people to ask us what we were doing and um she was so touched and so grateful and um her spirit really gave me a lot of energy you know um, it just uh, that idea of like keep going i support you in this and she would leave and then she would come back and she did that throughout the day and towards the Uh, later afternoon, she brought her uh, grandchild and she asked us if we would let her grandchild, you know, paint on it. And we said, of course. So we, we gave the, 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 the young person a, a brush and they got on the, uh, you know, and, and throughout the day, people from the community would come and ask us if they could paint. And we're just like, yes, you know, here's a brush, paint this part, paint that part, work on this, you know. And, and they were sometimes very shy. They just wanted to add a touch here or there. Um At about 11 or so in the morning, um, Al Sharpton came to speak. He is a uh, minister and uh, part of the um, civil rights um, uh, movement. Very incredibly moving speech, you know, and that, again, was just giving me more energy. And, and folks were coming, do you guys need water? Do you need food? What do you need? You know, an incredibly moving part for me because, again, we're just, it's just adrenaline driven. We're working as a team. It's very fluid. It was like we've worked For, you know, 20 years together, we all understood what our roles were. We were, we were editing and taking stuff off and working on the color and taking things on. And so it was very, very fluid. And we all sort of understood that there was a bigger uh, picture, you know, not to 
pun intended, I guess, um, it, it wasn't about us individually necessarily, but it was about this thing that we had created and now we wanted to complete. I was very involved in this and just totally focused and like, you know, trying to absorb all of that energy that was coming. And I saw the Reverend Jesse Jackson, another civil rights leader, walk behind us and he stopped, you know, for a brief moment and he looked at us working and um, I wanted to say hello to him. You know, he's been a, a, a hero of mine. And then he went to the corner uh, where he was going to speak to a group of people. I went over to the corner where Jesse Jackson was speaking, and it was incredibly moving. And um, he he did this call and response, you know, with the crowd. And I was so pumped up. Uh, you know, my heart was just full of emotion and and sort of sadness, but also it was it was it was filled with this sense of of hope you know that there's this change happening and so i after he was done i went back and you know the rest of the day was just sort of that uh energy blur until it was all of a sudden we're done with him we're stepping back and we're going wow you know it, here it is let's move forward in time uh, now three months later Your work is one of the most recognizable images that have come out of the protest raging around the world. Uh, you've been interviewed, as you said, countless times. What do you make of all that? You know, looking back at what happened uh, three months ago and, and, and where it took you now, what, what lessons have you learned? Going into this, uh, creating this mural, um, never did it cross my mind that it would be that we would get the response that this mural received um i was honestly again acting uh, upon you know action um uh acting on trying to show my support for the movement and as an art activist you know this is a lot of my work is like speaking about these things and bringing awareness, I honestly thought it was going to be just locally, you know, that it was something that we were doing for that community that was for us as artists to show that specific community that we supported them, that we loved them, that we cared, that we cared for George Floyd and what happened to him should never, ever happen to anyone again. The response of, of the greater community of, of Minnesota and then the world was totally, I, I did not see that coming. I did not expect it. And it was overwhelming. However, I, I never let it get to my head because I, I always kept this in, in, in sort of my general thinking was that none of this is about me, you know. Therefore, I did not let that sort of change my, my, my patterns and, and sort of my, my daily communications with people, um, uh, my daily work that I have to do. It was something else that was happening separate from who I am uh, as a person and as an artist. And when, whenever that was happening, you know, then I, I took care of it, but then I, I moved right away to something else. Um, I work and as a behavioral specialist. And one of the things that we're trained to do, because we work with uh, students 
uh, with behavioral issues and a lot of things that happen in their lives. And sometimes they can get really personal and uh, really try to hurt your feelings or hurt you physically. As, as a person who has to work with that every day, you have to always remember that you have to leave that at the door. So I, I, I use that training to sort of uh, compartmentalize everything that was happening. So that is happening on the side and I, you know, I, I try my best to take care of it and uh, balance it. Uh, but at the same time, I have a family, I have a profession uh, and I have my, my social work that I have to do. So did the sort of the fame that you got through this mall, did that help with your, your heart and your social media presence? And um, yes, um, yeah, absolutely. It did. It was, um, uh, you know, overwhelming all the all the people and that, that uh, reach out to me, thanking me and um, offering me, you know, jobs and offering to to pay me for for Prince of the Mural and and all of these things. And um, the group and, and uh, decided from from as soon as we were done with that mural that we were not going to commercialize or profit from it. And um, so we have not. <clears throat> and um, uh, we have kept through to that, and you know that I'm really proud of that fact. Um, but yes, it, it, you know it's definitely given me exposure, and uh, which I'm thankful uh, for. Um, and it's also given exposure to my work, which is to me the most important thing. You know, is bringing awareness to uh, the social injustices that are happening, uh, not only in this country but but around the yeah. world as well as yeah. environmental injustices. And I, I read of a of a controversy that that came up after you painted this mural. Um, and I'm quote, going to quote here. Kino Ivor, the executive director of uh, Black Table Art, said that the mural was created not by black folks and without the process of engaging with black people. And indeed, you are from Belize in Central America, and the two other artists are white American. Can you speak about that? You know, you you are your work is is a portrait of a black experience. Uh, isn't it a bit ironic? Couldn't it be misinterpreted maybe as cultural appropriation that you white people and and you know I'm I'm white too, so we are discussing a topic uh, that that would require maybe feedback from a black American. But how does that make you feel? I'm sure, I, and, and the, the criticism is valid, you know, and I respect, I totally respect where, where um, they're coming from, and I honor their their voice and and, and their perspective. Uh, first of all, I, I am not white; I'm uh, a mestizo, uh, originally from Belize, uh, as I said. I have a mixed background uh, ethnically: uh, uh, Spanish, Maya, and uh, Afro-Caribbean. As part of the team. Zena contacted me and I said, yes, I'll go, I'll go work on this mural. Um, thank you for, you know, for inviting me to it. I believe there was an open call to whomever was available to do it. Even though we, you know, we didn't have a, a black artist as part of the, the main group of artists. Um, like I mentioned earlier, there was people in the community that came and added to that mural. Um, yes. Um, not only black, but uh, Muslim and Hmong and white and you name it. You know, there was uh, just a whole diverse group of people that came um, and, and were there part of spectators watching us do it and supporting us and encouraging us to continue. 
And then also folks who just wanted to add a little bit of paint on, on, on the mural. And also, like I said earlier, too, you know, this was not a, a grant base. It was, a, it was a call to action. It was just something that we did. There is, uh, I believe, a, a space for conversation to talk about. There was appropriation of, of, of the events that happened. I didn't see myself as, um, you know, a, a Latino going to paint a, a mural of, of a black man. I saw myself as an artist trying to raise awareness about an issue that's affecting people of color, Native Americans, immigrants, and black blacks in America. And the other thing it was was it never crossed my mind that we should have invited, you know, specifically because to me the whole project was people were coming in to contribute to this. Right. And, and we, I, I didn't have a list of people that were coming or who was invited to it. Um, and everyone that came by and, and at least one of the artists who helped uh, on the mural was just a, a person who just came by and asked us what we were doing. And they said, hey, you know, can I help? And we said, yep. And the person went and grabbed their supplies and came back and started painting with us. And none of us really knew who this artist was. Anyone was was welcome, you know. So Ken Ivor is not really right when he said that it was done without the process of engaging with Black people. I mean, what you described from the start is really, yes, you led the project, you were the three artists, but you welcomed in anybody that wanted to to take a brush and participate, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that, that asked the question, do you think that activist art need to be produced by the people uh, it wants to serve? You know, I think that art should be created by artists. And uh, if you are an activist uh, in any way, you should speak your truth. Um, my truth is art, my medium, um, and, and uh the causes that I'm trying to, to fight for, I think that there's strength in numbers. And the more, uh, the more solidarity we have uh, with each other, uh, because we're all sort of fighting for justice, I think that the stronger and the more amplified our voices will become. Did this uh, controversy left uh, a bittersweet test in you? Absolutely not. I, I, I think that there's some level of distraction to this controversy. However, I am incredibly honored and, and, and proud of, of what we did that day, of, of how we came together and the, the effect and that this mural has had on, on that community and the world. Um, like any public art, there's always going to be... Uh, some controversy that surrounds it for, for different, different uh, reasons. However, um, yes, I'm, I am uh, I'm incredibly proud of, of, of yeah. that day. And, and what is the status of the second mural that you were planning to do not far from, from the first? Um, yes, so that mural uh, was created as a group project. I was one of the painters, and we all collaborated, again, just, just with the artist and um it is hanging on Lake Street, I believe, and Chicago. Um, it was completed. It took us about, um, oof, about five days. 
yeah, it's hanging now. And then I also um, went out and, and put up one other personal piece that I that I created uh, as a sort of a small small mural um, mm-hmm. that I just put on uh, some of the um, the the boards uh, that were used to cover up uh, the businesses in uh, in Minneapolis. Yeah. So the the first mural was uh, covered with black paint. On August nineteenth, I believe. Mm-hmm. What did it mean to you, and and what's going to happen to the mural? So right now, we're speaking to different artists in the community as to what their decision is going to be uh, about the mural. Right. Um, so initially, we were accused of not including the community. Um, so um, now that uh, it was defaced. It opened up the opportunity to speak to the community as to what it is that they want to do with the mural. And uh, as the artists, uh, you know, we have left it up to to them to sort of tell us what to do next, uh, whatever that might be. Um, we're going to support it because it's their voice. And um, once I was done with that mural, you know, one of the things that I said is like, it doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to uh, the people of this community. And um Whatever they ask and, us to do. And what, do next, what direction uh, does it seems to be taking? Uh, there's multiple. I, I still don't know exactly what they're planning to do with it. There's a talk about uh, fixing it, uh, repairing the damage, and having um, some adjustments made and having the community be involved in it too, mm-hmm. and what artists should be invited to do it. And So, yeah. I, I would like to understand a little bit about yourself. You know, you, you came to this country when you were 19. Why did you come to the U.S.? And and when did you really feel that you wanted to be an activist artist? Yeah, I've always wanted to uh, study art. When I was 19, I there wasn't uh, that opportunity in Belize. Uh, it's very um, difficult for, uh, you know, someone of uh, low uh, economic uh, status to sort of even think about uh, getting into uh higher level education. I do. I didn't know that uh, I had the opportunity in America, that there were schools, and um, I came up here to, to study. Uh, I wanted to study art, and that was, uh, that was my, my goal, uh, was to, um, to pursue that. Because uh, w- I've always been interested in, in art, and I've always been uh, pursuing it you know, ever since I was a, a small child. Um, I went to uh, College of Visual Arts, that's in St. Paul, and I have a, um, a bachelor's in communication design, um, and I did a minor in photography um, as well. Um, I, after college, I started uh, uh, working at uh, Creative Arts High School as, an, um, as a media arts uh, educator. I taught there for about 13 years, and then I lost my position. Uh, since then, I've been a uh, behavioral uh, specialist for the district of St. Paul, and I uh, help students with behavioral issues. And I use art as a as a way to um, calm students down, as a meditative uh, sort of way of getting to students and uh, working with them. Hmm. So it seems that you've always been interested in art and has always wanted to be an artist. What about activism? You know, I, I grew up in Belize, and I was uh, once we start getting uh, information through through news, we you know you start looking at the world from from our perspective. And, and Belize is was, was typically uh, is typically a peaceful country. We've never had any uh, serious sort of uh, revolutions or um, wars. 
but we've always had the threat of uh, Guatemala invading Belize. So there's always um, a lot of um, uh, anxiety over that. And sort of my political uh, leanings and activism started from that, you know, is uh, trying to understand uh, some of the issues uh, with Guatemala. But then there was um, conflict and, and revolutions in, in all of, uh, around Latin America, including Guatemala, uh, Chiapas, uh, Honduras, Salvador, Nicaragua. And so being surrounded by this as I was growing up, I was exposed to a lot of the atrocities that were being committed um, against especially indigenous people and farmers um, in, in these Latin American countries. And so uh, from very early on, I, you know, I have always uh, sort of leaned towards that type of uh, human rights awareness. Once I graduated from college, I, I, you know, I was doing typical art uh, as everybody else. However, once I started using social media um, like uh, Instagram, uh, where I started just posting art photography at the beginning because, you know, I thought, hey, this is this is cool. I can I can showcase my work. And uh, I was trying to encourage my students too to sort of use social media platforms to showcase their artwork and use those as, as galleries so anyone can see their work. As I was going through that process, I started thinking, well, what else can, can I do with this platform? You know, and at the same time, there was uh, Bush was in power. Um, and um, there was there was a need to start speaking up and out about what I was seeing uh, happening um, in, 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 in my community and in our society. And I, I started evolving into sort of creating art that spoke to the things that I felt and that I saw that were injustices being created uh, and human rights being violated. Um, and that sort of that started, and then I started sort of creating artwork to honor people who had been uh, leaders in, in, in different causes on uh, civil rights and uh, social justice, and then also started speaking out about uh, the injustices that I saw and using art to do that. Hmm. Okay. Finally, question I always ask in back in America is, what is America to you? America still means uh, freedom to me. Uh, despite of everything that's going on, artists and activists and um, people who want to speak up and uh, still have that opportunity. Uh, we might be losing it with the current administration, but it still means uh, freedom and, 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 well, and liberty, quote unquote, right? But uh, the idea that I can, uh, can be an artist and uh, criticize and, and stand up and speak against uh, these injustices without uh, being too afraid of of, get, of retributions, I, I think, is is, is 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 a great thing, and that's something that you can casually do in other parts of the world. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm I'm grateful that that I live in in a country where um, that all sides are, are viewed and and taken into consideration, and that you are to some extent free to. Uh, to speak and, and speak your truth. Right. Okay. Thank you. Would you recommend our audience to read or watch any particular books or movie? I've always uh, been an incredible fan of uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite books uh, is 100 Years of Solitude and just amazing um, magical realism and incredibly 
picturesque book. Yeah, it really helped me made tons of images, and, and, and I've uh, read it many times over the course of my life. And there's this fantastic movie uh, that I've just saw. Um, it's called The Platform, and it's a Spanish movie. I believe it's on one of the streaming services. And it's, um, it's a movie uh, about this prison, and it's an allegory about uh, class and our decisions uh, that we as humans make to maintain our class and status, I suppose. But uh, the platform, check it out. It's a fantastic, uh, fantastic tale. And, and, and uh, you know, just one of the, the most amazing movies that I've ever seen is the movie Things I Like and Things I Don't Like. It's a French short, uh, black and white, things I like, things I don't like, an incredibly influential movie uh, in my life as, as an artist. Um, so check out that short. Okay, absolutely. Gedex uh, Herrera, thank you so much. Um, anything else you want to add before we uh, hang up? Um, nope. Thank you for, for the opportunity to uh, talk and um you know, tell the folks out there in, in your listening community uh, uh, about who I am and um, about um, the George Floyd mural. I, I believe that together we can really create change and make positive change in this world. And uh, we have to stand up and uh, speak up and uh, use all our talents, whatever it is, artist, dancer, poet, writer, you need to stand up and speak against, uh, against social injustice. Thank you. Thank you, KEDEX. As I became more familiar with this story, I realized that I had to speak to a black American. Listen to what Eric March, a black activist from Philadelphia, has to say about the George Floyd mural in part two of this episode. 